So we're beginning a um, a really 
solid dose of instruction and um, hopefully some realization and practical application from this section of the uh, Srimad Bhagavatam. It's not a light section of Bhagavatam. It's sometimes heavy going and sometimes it may um, go against the grain as um, His Holiness Devamita Swami likes to say, rattle the cage <laughs> a little uh, to hear this information. We get this um, apparently negative uh, analysis of our situation, our current situation in the material world. And the Vedic scriptures are consistent with this message that we come to the material world for the purpose of exploitation, for the purpose of enjoying, for the purpose of of forgetting Krishna. We, come, we don't come here to be, most of us, don't come here to be, to engage in pure devotional service. <clears throat> and the message that we hear from the Acharyas, the message that we hear from our present day spiritual masters, that we heard last week, so powerfully and eloquently spoken by his Holiness, His Grace, and Sankhashantabhu, and Ramai Swami, and many, many devotees who are speaking from this section of Bhagavatam, is that the purpose of the human form of life is to engage in, is to aspire for pure devotional service. Pure Bhakti, Shuddha Bhakti. Because that will solve all the problems, that will solve all the issues, that will solve all the, all the distractions, all the confusion, and bewilderment. We have the ultimate solution. Bhakti is the ultimate solution for the problem of our material existence. And we think, well, we, we don't want to be always hearing this kind of negativity. We don't want to always hear that we're here in the material world and the material world is a place of suffering, <coughs> threefold burning miseries, and um, Adhyatmika, Adhyatmika, Adhyatmika. We don't want to hear this all the time. We want to hear some, some pleasantries. We want to hear how we can be peaceful and adapt and we can adjust our situation so that we can live happy life. We want to be happy. We want to have a happy family, happy, happy marriage, and happy children, happy society. Happy, everyone happy. But unfortunately, the material world isn't designed like that. In the Krishna's Kaviraj Goswami, the um, author of Chaitanya Chaitanya at the beginning of each chapter, he offers a prayer, Sanskrit verse. Every chapter opens up and then Jaya Jaya Shri Chaitanya Jaya Nityananda, then back into Bengali. Actually, a lot of the Chaitanya Chaitanya is in Sanskrit language. Bengali classic, but it's a lot of it is Sanskrit. And he opens up the chapter with um, one of the chapters in Ante Lila. I think it's a chapter where Lord Chaitanya meets Raghunath Das. Or it's the instruction of um, Prajumna Mishra. 
Ramananda Roy is much in Bishop in the Antigula. And then he says, Vaigundi uh, Kita Kalitaha, that Krishna's character's one is an elderly 90 plus year old sadhu in Vrindavan writing about the Chadita of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, the glorious deeds and activities of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. And he says that he's infected with the germs of material activities. Krishna's Kavadjaswami is saying he's infected with the germs of material activities and he's, he's um, bitten by the worms of envy. And therefore, he falls in an ocean of humility at the lotus feet of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And he refers to Lord Chaitanya as the Vaidya. Chaitanya Vaidya Masraye. You know what a Vaidya is? Doctor. Doctor. Mahatma Vaidya. <laughs> so Vaidya. Chaitanya Vaidya Masraye. He takes shelter of the, the doctor. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is a doctor, physician, because he can cure the disease of material affliction, I mean, the disease of material infection. It's called Baba Roga. This Baba Roga, at the beginning of the 10th canto of Bhagavatam, it says that the, the cure for this Baba Roga, for this material disease, for this disease of lust, of anger, of envy, of maliciousness. This, the cure for this disease is to hear Bhagavatam. Those who hear this, this message of Srimad Bhagavatam, and particularly the pastimes of Krishna, that's why it's introduced in the 10th canto, the beginning of the 10th canto. If you hear this, Baboshara Sarata Manobhirama, the Kabuta Nasarata Gunanavara, when you hear the descriptions and the glories of the Supreme Personality of Godhead, then we begin to become free from that attraction, the overwhelming attraction for the material energy, for, for the sense gratification. And that's the underlying message here in this very detailed, comprehensive, uh, cohesive section of Bible time that pulls it all together that says, don't try to enjoy the material world doesn't work. It has an inbuilt obsolescence. means that this can't work. You can't get a lifetime guarantee from Bhagavatam. The other week we went to the chef's hat in South Melbourne and we bought a pot, a, a, a pan for cooking and we got a lifetime guarantee. <laughs> lifetime guarantee for a pot. But you can't get a lifetime guarantee for anything Lifetime guarantee doesn't happen. When you try to enjoy the material energy, there, there was an element of that enjoyment that will turn out to be a suffering, either for yourself or for somebody else, or a long-term misery, something. And therefore, the acharyas encourage us to take the bhakti, because bhakti will give us happiness. Susukam kaptamakyam. That it will be enjoyably performed and it will give happiness eventually. It may not give straight away, but it will give us happiness because we become relieved from suffering in this material world. 
In the um, purport to the, actually I prepared a class for 26, so I was taught to talk on 26. And in 26, Shiva Prabhupada, from the previous chapter, Shiva Prabhupada, he quotes the verse, Yang Maitri Nadi Gurya Nadi Sukham, he took twice. And so I started to focus on that verse a little bit. It's a famous Brahmacharya verse, Prahlad Maharaj's instructions. And Prahlad Maharaj instructs us, conditioned souls, readers of the Srimad Bhagavatam, um, aspiring devotees, instructs us in many uh, positive ways to take to the process of Shalom Kirtan, the process of Bhakti, because that will give belief, that will give happiness. And in this verse he says, he gives a string of verses, maybe 40 verses, 40 instructions of Prahlad Maharaj, the long section of Bhagavatam, the seventh canto. And in this verse, in Maitanadi verse, he says that materialists are, are bewildered by this attraction for the opposite sex engaging. They, they, they engage in this, um, it's like relieving the, the itch, the two hands rub together are an itch, and it makes it worse. Somebody suffered from eczema, eczema or some skin disease, or you have a boil, and you scratch and scratch and scratch. And, and until this blood comes. So it, it's, you feel like it's helping, it's, it's relieving the itch, but all of a sudden you've got a bigger problem of infection of sores, and it just continues to get worse and worse from the itching. And that's how Prahlad Maharaj describes our attraction for sense gratification. That we want it, we want it, we want it, we'll do anything to get it. And the more we aspire for it, the more we, we go for it, the more suffering we experience. One time we, in the school in Auckland, we had a, a young boy, this five-year-old boy, and he's jumping up and down on the trampoline. And he's enjoying it. He's enjoying like anything on a trampoline. You can imagine how much fun you can have on a trampoline. So he actually twisted his ankle and broke his, broke his ankle. And he's got his ankle puffed up like anything quickly. That part of the body is quite delicate. So it puffed up. And when the body does that, it says, you know, stop, relax, don't move. And it's, it's a sign, it's a warning sign from the body. Signal. But he didn't. He was enjoying too much. He wanted to keep bouncing. So he just kept bouncing up on the train. Until he just couldn't bounce anymore. Screaming. But he was trying to enjoy it. We stopped him, um, trying to enjoy the material world, trying to enjoy the, the trampoline of this material world, up and down, enjoying it. And we can't, we can't always enjoy the material world. It's just one of those things. In Panchatantara, you know Panchatantara stories? In the Panchatantara, there's a story of a snake. And this snake, he made friends with a family of of frogs. Snake, he said to, he went to the frogs and he said to the frogs, look, you know, I'll, if you jump on my back, I'll take you for a ride. All around the river, through the log, over the rocks, down the waterfall, everything, you just jump on my back. All the frogs. He spoke to the king of the frogs. And the frogs saying, no, come on, snakes, you're going to eat us. 
Well, you're going to solve my problem. Where your food? And he said, no, just, you give me one, one, one frog. You've got hundreds of frogs here. One frog per right. That's the payment. So they all agreed, they said, so many frogs. We'll just jump on and we'll have fun. So they jumped on the back of the snake. The snake told him he got cursed and he's hungry and he can't eat anything. He can't move very nicely. Brahman cursed him for biting a Brahman while he's chanting his guy in the river. So he told the story. And the frogs agreed and they all jumped on. And they had a good time. He took the frogs everywhere, all around the river, and through this little uh, nice environments, ecosystems that were created by nature, you know, through the fallen trees and everything like that, across the rapids. And at the end of the day, he would eat the which frog was on the back of the tail, he would eat that frog, turn around and eat the frog. That was his pain. And the next day, all the frogs jumped on. Again, he said, enjoy it so much. Free ride. And then finally, there's no frogs left. The snake ate all the frogs. And we're like those frogs in the material world. We jump on the material world and we try to enjoy it, and it won't happen to us. The snake's not going to eat it. There's hundreds of frogs. Millions of us. We're not going to get devoured by the material energy. While we're here, we should enjoy it. We should renew our Netflix. We should, we, we should get a, a faster computer. We should get a, a better facility. A nicer car. A better AC. At least we should service our AC. So we should try to enjoy We should try to make adjustments. But we'll be like the frogs. Eventually. This is a chapter. Chanda Vega. Chapter 4. The frogs are going to be devoured. So, Palatma actually did not purple to young Mike Dinadu when he made his family picture. Prabhupada says, unfortunately, however, because of a lack of education and culture, the people in this material world are victimized by the happiness of sense gratification. It's a very Powerful purport. It's one of those purports, you know, you get trained to read a purport in Bible time and you try to extract the, the main point of the purport. What is the essence of the purport? When you go to VHE or you go to some training or Kesha or some teaching, what is it? What is the purport? What is the point of this purport? That's one of those purports where it's hard to find what's the main point because there's every sentence practically in that purport is. Well, they're all the same main point, but they're all powerful statements on their own, independently powerful statements on their own, that succinctly capture the essence of Prahlad teachings. Unfortunately, unfortunately, we're victimized. I mean, this the language of Prabhupada uses is very, very um, concise. For, you know, for somebody who apparently has English as a second language, it's a very, very um, incredible choice of words that he uses. You can say he's like a wordsmith. The Christian using this amazing inspiration. That we become victimized by this attraction due to a lack of culture and education. We become victimized to the false happiness in the world. It's false. 
And in the same purport, Prabhupada says, Palavrata is recommending. And the Vedas are like this. The Vedas, there's no tragedy in Vedic literature. There's a lot of tragic events. But it's no Shakespearean tragedy where it just ends in a disaster or, you know, these, story, these fables from China. There's just tragedies. Every story practically is a tragedy. It's in the Vedic literature, Mahabharata, Ramayana, in Epic literature, in Purana, and in all the Vedas, they don't have a concept of a Shakespearean tragedy. Because there's always a, a solution, a solution direct. So we hear problems, plenty of them, actually ideas and unlimited problems of people, of devotees, of, of um, examples, of all the things you can do wrong in the material world. We hear that, but the solution is always different. There's always a solution. There's always a transformation. And that makes the, the narrative very enticing of Bhagavatam. And the sub-narrative and the interwoven concepts and ideas and culture that we hear from the Bhagavatam, it makes it a page turner because we're wondering well, how to get out of this, how to solve this problem. How did such a great personality have such a problem? We often think, sometimes we think. That's bewildering. How could Lord Ramai have a problem? How could Lord have a problem? Chase after Mulini Mulini or do this or do that. How can that happen and then be the Bhagavatam? And then we hear the responses and the way that those great devotees and kings and rishis, how they respond and what they do. And therefore we, we just imbibe. It's without, um, without even knowing we're imbibing a, pro, we're imbibing a, a set of solutions ourselves, internalizing responses to situations by associating with the Bhagavatam, by associating with the characters in the Bhagavatam. And so Prahlad recommended recommends, Prabhupada says in his purport, don't be misled. Don't be misled by civilization of sense gratification. The civilization of sense gratification, which is the ultimate of that sense gratification, is considered to be sex life. And he says that the hippies in one purport, in the second canto, he says, the hippies gave up everything. They gave up their parents' culture, they gave up their parents' facilities, their wealth, their position. They gave up everything except the sex life. So they couldn't give that up. The last thing they could give up. And he says, actually, the only way to give it up is to engage in practical devotional service. Theoretical knowledge won't be good enough. He says, you can say that the Bhagavatam, the scripture, is theoretical knowledge. But he says that the deity worship and engaging in Kanchanga Bhakti is practical. It's a practical knowledge that purifies the heart of the desire. That's the kuta, the bija, and the kuta. The inclination, the, pro- pro- the proclivity, the desire to do sin, to commit sin. That is destroyed by Bhakti by pure devotional service. And that's why we hear that our acharyas say that the goal of life is pure bhakti, because only pure bhakti will remove that desire for committing sin. Kuta Vija. When we perform pure devotional service. And that's um, a great 
um, it's a great blessing that we have been provided this opportunity. You know, I was thinking, meditating about the word Kripna on the way here to the temple this morning. And it's often used in Bible time. And in, when Prabhupada gives his commentary on the Bhaja Horemana Bhaja, he refers to Durjana as outsider. Durjana. Chapala Sukhada. The Durjana is somebody who's outside of Bhakti. So he's not a friend. He's not a Sujana. He's a Durjana. He's a, he's a far distance. We keep them at a distance. The Durjana. Sangatyago. We keep them at a distance so that we don't become influenced. Because association is everything. When we have a strong association, then we become attracted to and we develop an inclination toward bhakti. Devotional service. There's a, in the Ramayana, there's a story of Sita and she instructs Ram. This is the woman instructing the husband. And Ram is in the forest and he has a bow and he has his arrow. He doesn't leave his bow and arrow in Ayodhya. He takes it in And he starts to shoot animals in the forest. And Sita doesn't like it. Because, all right, he can protect the sages and the sadhus, but he just starts shooting, you can say, whimsically, and killing animals in the forest. And so, like our um, Puranjana is in the forest, killing, mercilessly killing all these animals. So Ram is killing these animals, and she said, that I don't like that you kill these animals. She said, you should... Three things should be avoided. One of them is that a man should never try to enjoy it with another's wife, Mamti. And Ram will never do that. He's a Ekapapanvata. He will never think of that. He won't even look like that. And that we should not be um, engaged in, in, in taking somebody else's property. And Ram is not interested. He's, he's a supreme personal. And that one should not mercilessly kill other living entities. And so she said, Ram will never take others, someone else's property, encroach on others' property, and you'll never look at another man's wife. But his problem is that he's killing these innocent living entities that are not causing harm. So she told a story. She didn't just say, don't kill the animal. She told the story of Lord Indra. It's a very instructive story about association. She said there was one great sage in the forest in the Hermitage, and he was performing austerity to Pasta. He became very powerful. And Lord Indra was thinking, this sage is becoming too powerful. And Indra doesn't like that because he's thinking if he keeps going, he's going to become Indra. He'll, he'll take the position, he'll be the boss. So he's going to go down there and devise a way to distract him. Sometimes he'll send Apsara or something. So this time, Lord Indra thought, he'll go down there and, and ask the sage to look after his weapon. So he went down there with this very amazing sword, powerful sword of Lord Indra, and his Vajra. And he said, you mind this. Well, it didn't go there as Lord Indra, but he said, you mind this. Shaktiya, powerful Shaktiya. I have to go and do some business. 
So the sage said, you, you, know, you leave it here and nobody will touch the sword. It's protected. It's, no one will ever take it from the sage. And Akshatri, he, 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 he believes in this sadhu, right? He's a rishi. So the rishi, after some time, he took the, wherever he went, he took the sword with him. Because somebody might come to his ashram and steal it. So he'd take a bath, go to the bathroom, take the sword. And he'd do his puja and have the sword will be next to him when he does his puja. When he does his yajna, everything that he did in the ashram, he did with the sword. When he went out of the ashram, he took the sword and he brought it back. And he left the sword next to him the whole time. And after some time, he started to think, he was always thinking of this sword next to him. So when is this tragedy going to come back? When is this king going to come back and, and reclaim the sword? But then he kept thinking that the sword, what can the sword do? And this, what, is, what is the use of the sword? And why have I got a sword anyway? I'm in an ashram. And then he started to play with the sword. <laughs> then he became very, he became bewildered by the sword. And he became like a very aggressive. He started to kill innocent animals. And then he started to kill. First, he, started, he tried the sword on ferocious animals. Then he started killing innocent animals. Then he started killing human beings. He's a rich sadhu. He started killing human And then he killed Brahmanas that came to his ashram with the sword. And so, Sita said, This rishi, he was, he was very advanced in knowledge and in practice. But because of the association with the sword, he became. He went to a dark place. When he left his body, they said he went to a very dark place where people go murderers and people who do all bad things. He went there and he was almost a perfected human being in his life. City. He had many cities. But because of that association, Lord Indra was correct. Lord Indra was, had the good idea just to give him a sword. doesn't have to say anything. And he fell down and he didn't take Indra's seat. So by association we become aggressive, by association we become envious, by association with the wrong people we become lusty to enjoy the material world. And therefore the happy ending is that we have a process. The, the, the solution that is in Bhagavatam, the solution that's given to us by the Acharyas is through education and culture. In the Bhagavad Gita, Prabhupada says in the fourth chapter, that's the, um, in, the, in the beginning of the fourth chapter, Imam Vivasvate Yogam verse in the purport, he says that it's the duty or the responsibility of all the leaders of society, not just human society, but of all planets in the universe, the leaders of the planets of the universe, to understand this knowledge and to give it to the citizens to relieve them to give them Krishna consciousness, to relieve them from the suffering of material consciousness, to elevate them. The duty of the Kshatriya is to, to save, protect one from harm. And the greatest protection that we can give to the conditioned soul is to protect them from sense gratification. <clears throat> Prabhupada said once that the greatest form of violence that we can commit to children is to expose them to sense gratification at an early age when they don't have any need for sense gratification. That's the greatest form of violence. And so, 
the definition of ahimsa. And if you can share this definition with people who come to the temple on Sunday feast, now we're getting many Western people coming to the Sunday program, especially after the kirtan. You know, maybe 20 or 30 of them in the temple, Western people, sitting here listening to the kirtan. If you can share some of this knowledge with them, some gems of this Bible, of Prabhupada's commentary in Bhagavatam, they'll become very, like, inspired and, 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 and amazed. It's not just like a party trip that you're going to share them with some knowledge like this, but they, they're searching for that. Why did they come here? They're searching for something. They sit through a class, they go to feast, they come for the seven of they sit for the kirtan. There's a reason why they're here. We should not just ignore them. We, the Krishna brought them here, and so we can present to them something from that we've heard, something that inspired us. Not something theoretical or something that we haven't got any realization about, or we haven't, you know, something that we've just read that sounds cool. Something that, we, that really touched us, that will touch someone else. That's, that's how we do, that's the preaching. Something that impressed me will impress someone else if I present that in an authentic way. But if I'm really real about it, then people think, well, this guy is, you know. We don't have to um, do a lot of adjustment. You know? Sometimes the writers think that we have to water down the, pro- the process, water down the philosophy of Krishna consciousness so much that the people that are coming think, well, what's the difference with you guys? We already get this, the chai bar, we already get this somewhere else. But there's something very special and essential that they can't get anywhere else, and that's what they're coming here for. And we're thinking, well, this is not the 60s, there's no hippies, there's plenty of hippies, there's more hippies now than ever. But they're just living in different situations, they might have a different dress, maybe they don't have all the beads, and they might not have all the long hair, but they're, they're hippies. Plenty of them. We were talking to one group of people that come to the Sunday feast. They have 35 people living in the house. They're living in a ashram of hippies, right? And they're so interested. Whatever you give to them, like, wow, that's really cool. <laughs> that's so nice, man. Like, whatever. You just give it to them. And, and, and they're, they're soaking it up. Because we have something that is, is genuine. Something that is coming from the um, Pampara. One of my devotee friends, he studied all the alternative systems of yogis in India, coming from India. All the, and all the self-help stuff in, in the West. All of them, from Sadhguru to the, the, everybody. He studied them all. And he said, one of the things that's consistent with all of them, if every one of the self-help gurus and the, you know, the, the popular gurus are coming from India, is that none of them have parampara. <coughs> Not one of them has a parampara. They already started it themselves or they're just following someone else recently, but they don't have any consistent parampara because. So a new knowledge that comes in parampara, a knowledge that comes from Lord Krishna, through Lord Brahma, through Shivadyasada, when you give that knowledge, that has potency. You might not have, you might think you have potency. But we have, if we, if we become transparent, then the knowledge that comes through us has potency. And so we shouldn't be shy. We shouldn't hold back. But we should give as much as we can to anybody, whoever we see, whoever we see them, 
give them as much bhakti as we can, as much bhakti as we can hold, we can give that to them. And that will, be, that will benefit us and benefit everybody else that comes in contact with us. And that's the education and culture that's lacking. And Prabhupada says because of a lack of education and culture, people are victimized by sense gratification in the two world. We have that education, we have that culture. Our culture is Panchangavati, devotional service, deity worship, Bhagavatam, chanting the whole association with the devotees. That is a culture. That's our culture, it's called a, the Gaudiya Vaishnava culture. And that, that, is a, that, that is a culture that sustains us and nurtures us and nourishes us and has a capacity to nurture and nourish and sustain everybody in the universe. It's the ultimate. It's the, in, in Bhagavatam it says that etava kumsam dharma parasmitaha that the ultimate religious principle for all living entities in human society is bhakti, devotional service. The ultimate religious principle, beginning with chanting the holy name of the Lord. Kumsam Dhamma Parasmita. Bhakti Yoga Bhagavati. Tanama Grahamadhi. Beginning with the chanting of the holy names of the Lord. That's our culture. Bhakti creates a culture around it. Devotional service creates a culture of festivals, a culture of sharing, a culture of giving, a culture of receiving culture of supporting and encouraging culture. It's a different culture to the materialistic culture. And it's a culture, it's an eternal culture. And the education that we get is that we're a spirit soul. Beginning with we're a spirit soul. Not beginning with Rasalira. Mm-hmm. Beginning with I'm a spirit soul. You know, I spoke to my niece at the Christmas gathering and she started, she did a yoga course. She's a yoga instructor. And she had a lot of problems. She's a very talented girl, very uh, um, qualified. She's a nurse and many things. But she had a lot of problems, like, you know, understanding what's her purpose in life. She wasn't getting any satisfaction from her nursing degree. She wasn't getting satisfaction from her, so she did yoga. And she, she became a yogi, whatever. But she's got a yoga certificate to say she can teach yoga. And she told me that finally, after years of searching, she's got some sense of uh, a reference point and a sense of identity. So yoga has given her a sense of identity. And that's the most, um, that's something that the the conditioned souls, the wounded conditioned souls, are lacking, a sense of identity, because their sense of identity changes so, so rapidly with the fashion, with the season, with the moment, their sense of who they are and their worth and their purpose in life is not fixed. And yoga has given her that. And therefore now she wants to inquire about you know, Krishna consciousness because she's that's slightly elevating. Actually her brother, my nephew, he, he asked me one day about a year ago, he said to me, you know, we were just having some family in conversation. He said to me, have you ever done any kirtan? <laughs> My nephew, have you ever done kirtan? And uh, I said, well, after 35 years of being the Hare Krishna, I think I've been to a kirtan. Yeah, I have done kirtan. And he said, yeah, we really like kirtans. 
we want to do some kirtan. So he started coming, he said, we do kirtan also. He goes to kirtan in Collingwood somewhere, I don't know what he does, but he does kirtan in Collingwood with some devotees, with some other group. But he came here, and he was just like, he said he'd never experienced kirtan like this in his life. You know, he was like, over, over the moon, this kirtan in the temple, you know, the Sunday kirtan. But Ananta Vasudev, who was, was doing here, and all the devotees, that it's really, um, he couldn't, you know, he couldn't move. He was transfixed by the whole experience. And so he comes here, he's one of the Western guys who comes here on Sunday for Kirtan. And Kirtan is a phenomenon, an international phenomenon all over the world. You hardly have to, you don't have to disguise Christian consciousness much anymore. You can be as direct as you like, because Kirtan is Kirtan. And we, got, we get kirtan from Mahaprabhu, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. They may say they get kirtan from wherever they like, or you know, they don't know who Krishna is, but we just do kirtan because it's from the heart, or they say whatever philosophy they've got. We don't care what their philosophy is. But kirtan comes from the Gaudiya tradition, that's our culture. We have a culture of kirtan. A culture, it's an enlightening culture. And that's how Mahaprabhu would spread Krishna consciousness through kirtan and prasada. That's what we do here. That's our business. Family business is Kirtan. Family business is Prasadam. And, and through that, we develop a whole network of engagement and support and encouragement. Kirtan culture. And that helps us to become um, situated. It gives us that reference point. It gives us a sense of identity. I'm an eternal um, servant of Krishna completely apart from the gross and subtle body. When the devotees offer do the puja in the morning, they do this, um, offer this um, sutta bhukti, they purify the senses, purify their body and their consciousness. And so they identify as a spiritual being. I'm not this material body. I'm not this Indian, this Australian, this Russian, this South American. I'm a spirit soul. That's the first thing you come in front of the deities. When I sit in front of Gordon Thai, we don't sit there and say, oh, I'm an Australian. And I'm this and that, and these are my qualifications, and that's why I'm here because I'm so great. I'm an eternal servant of Krishna, completely apart from this gross and subtle body. And by some unimaginable good fortune, I've been placed here at your lotus feet. So, my spiritual master has enabled me to know that I'm, that I'm an infinitesimal spiritual being. That's our identity. And that identity, we got that from day one in Krishna consciousness. And it remains fresh. It remains, it's ever potent. It doesn't become stale. Ayata Yanagami. When Sadama Vipra, Sandipani Muni blessed Sadama Vipra and Krishna, he said, Let the instructions that I gave you, let them be ever fresh. They never go stale. They'll never go off. No use by death. No best before. It's eternal. This one is eternal. This instruction that I gave you. Because you've got to please the Guru, please the spiritual master. So you get this Ayata Yata Yamani. It'll never go off. This instruction. Bless you. Let all your material desires be fulfilled, he said. Let your material desires, let them be fulfilled. And let these instructions be fresh. Chandamsi Yata Yamani. And that's the blessings that we, we, we seek from 
um, the spiritual master from Shiva Prabhupada in Bhagavatam. I just finished with this um, meditation and connected to this section of Bhagavatam how that the importance of hearing, the importance of culture, and the importance of education, and how that we um, become attracted to a spiritual or spiritualize our lives. How to spiritualize our lives and transform from matter to spirit and stay there. We oftentimes we, we, we go through this transformation experience, but it doesn't sustain for so many reasons. And this, this um, little gem that we get from the beginning of that story of the Sudama Vipra in the 10th canto, right towards the end of the 10th canto, we hear this story, like chapter 80, or so there's 90 chapters right in the 10th canto. Right towards the end, we hear a Sudama Vipra. And it's a very enchanting chapter, it's a very uh, beautiful chapter of instruction and, and, and deep meaning of what's happening here, of giving and receiving and connection and satisfying the spiritual master and so many things. And in there, at the beginning of it, at the beginning of each chapter in the, in the Bhagavatam, 10th canto, particularly in the beginning, many cantos, but at the beginning of the 10th canto chapters, Purichit Maharaj, he, he asks Sukadeva Goswami a question that inspires Sukadeva Goswami, inspires him to, to speak. And, and to continue to speak and, and directs the conversation. And, and in the beginning he says, at the beginning of this chapter, Sadamavipa, he says, who wouldn't, after hearing this description of Krishna, of Krishna Kata, through this Bhagavatam, who wouldn't? He says, Kova Sutva Sukhip Brahman, O Brahman, Brahman is Sukhivaswami. Who wouldn't, after hearing Sutva Sukhip, this amazing Uttama Sloka Sapkata, this eternal pastimes of the Uttama Sloka of Krishna, who wouldn't relish that and stay fixed in their bhakti? Only the one a person who knows the essence of life, Vishesha Agya. Vishesha Agya means one who knows the essence of their existence. That person who knows the essence of life and Vira Metta Vishesh. One who is completely disgusted with the karma margana, with the, with the path of lust, with the path of sense gratification. That person, he will stay fixed in their bhakti, or she will stay fixed. They have to, because they're completely finished with their material existence, and they want to hear about Krishna. And by hearing about Krishna, it's doing Tamsvakata Krishna. The heart becomes completely cleansed by hearing about Krishna. And by seeing Krishna, we become cleansed. And that is our culture. And that's how we become destructive. Prophets are the only way to become free from the, what is it called in the, in the Bhagavatam and in the nectar of instruction. So the only way to become free from the uh, rubbish cinema songs and something, uh, ru- the rubbish cinema songs and the, the sex songs on the radio is to become attracted to the deity. The deity is our practical engagement 
the deity is, is, a, is a practical application of the philosophy of Krishna consciousness that gives a higher taste. If you don't use your eyes to see the deity of Krishna, then the eyes are like the plumes on the peacock feather. They look very attractive and beautiful and they can do all sorts of eyebrow work on them and all sorts of things with their eyes. But if they don't use the eyes for seeing Krishna, they're useless. If you don't use the limbs to go to the temple, it's useless limbs. Nadu. It's, it's like a tree, tree trunk. Why do you have Bile If you don't use the, the ears to hear about Vikrama, the Uttana Shoka Vikrama, if you don't use the ear to hear about Krishna, the ears are like the whole snake hole. It's useless to have those ears if you don't use them appropriately to become transfixed on Krishna. I said I was going to finish on that, that introduction from that Sudama Rupa story, but the, the um, sequel to that, and this is the finish, this is it, the sequel to that is actually Prabhupada's commentary in that that verse. It's in the second canto of a change of heart. It's one of the, those explosive chapters in Bhagavatam where Prabhupada is using everything in one chapter. So call it change, uh, change. Pure devotional service of change of heart. And if you read the, the Acharyas, it's the first time it's ever been called that chapter. If you read the previous Acharyas, the um, title is called The Devatas, the Demigods, and some other thing. But Prabhupada's um, title is Pure Devotional Service of Change of Heart. And if you read the chapter, you'll realize why Prabhupada, if you read it carefully, you'll realize why Prabhupada gave that title to that chapter, Pure Devotional Service of Change of Heart. Because at the beginning of the chapter, it's talking about what we do. Um, if you want to have longevity, then you worship the sun god. If you want to have strength, worship Shiva. If you want to have fame, worship this god. If you want to have, it's then telling, organize how to do different yagyas to satisfy different demigods to get benefit in your world. First ten verses of the chapter. And then it changes. Then the transformation comes. That, that's, the, that's where it says, you know, whatever your desire is, just worship Krishna. doesn't matter if you've got material desire or no. Akama, Sarakama, or Moksha, Kama, That's that verse. That's the pivoting point in that chapter. Text 10 or whatever. Changes. It doesn't matter what your desire is, just worship Krishna. You focus attention, worship Krishna, and all your desires will be fulfilled, and you won't have to continue the cycle of repeat of birth and death. And in the purport, Prabhupada says that if one sees the profusely decorated form of the Lord in a well decorated, a sanctified temple environment, then surely that will infuse the mundane mind. Spiritual inspiration. What a, what a powerful, beautiful, eloquent sentence Prabhupada has given me. It's just like that whole thing is just poetry. Prabhupada speaking is a, it's a, a revelation that he said, that is given to us for sharing with us. That surely, if one sees a profusely decorated form of the Lord in a well decorated and um, sanctified temple, Surely that will infuse the mundane mind with spiritual inspiration. And that's our culture. 
That's, our, that's what sustains and nurtures and nourishes us. That's what keeps us away from the attraction of the cinema and away from the attraction of the sex songs on the radio and, and, and away from Netflix or whatever we've got, whatever other things are distracting us, YouTubing or whatever we're doing that's distracting us from our pure bhakti. Then we have this incredible opportunity and therefore um, we're creepiness. This is my meditation way. We're creepiness if we don't use the body properly. A creepiness holds something. We've got wealth. We've got all this money. We've got all this facility. And we're not utilizing that wealth. So we have this. We're creepiness if we don't use the body. If we don't use the eyes, the ears, the tongue, the nose, our skin, our legs, working senses, the mind, intelligence. If we don't use that for its proper purpose, we're creepiness. And we lost that. Durajanas, outsiders. But we want to be insiders. We want to get in Krishna's group. Right? We don't want to be outsiders. Don't be a creepiness. Be a, be a um, Uddharadi. Have a broad-minded intelligence. A broad-minded approach. By transforming that matter to spirit. Okay, I hope um, I haven't disturbed you too much this morning with my uh, lack of focus. But the uh, disclaimer here is that I wasn't really prepared for that. I was told to speak on another verse, but of course Bhagavatam is very connected. And so one or two verses, this is not such a bad mess. Are there any questions or comments? Reflections on anything that you've heard this morning? Inspiring the husband for further 
to further expand their materialistic engagement. But the, the wife of a, of a devotee in the Grihasta Ashram, as opposed to Grihamedi Ashram, in the Grihasta Ashram is inspiring the husband to expand also, to expand their capacity to engage in bhakti. Um, and that, that is uh, uh, the difference, I think that's one of the essential teachings that Prabhupada wants us to take away from this section of the Bible account. That um, we don't want to think that all, that, that, that this is directly instructional for you know, anyone who's in the Grihastha Ashram. Because a Grihastha is, is somebody who's taking the shelter of the Chaitanya Vaidya taking shelter of the opposition, Mahaprabhu. And because of that, um, the husband gets inspiration from the Krishna conscious wife. But if the wife is not Krishna conscious, of course, um, or if the husband's not Krishna conscious, then either either or, either one of them drags the other one down. And then there's conflict and there's confusion and then there's all sorts of distractions. You all cases. Sorry? In all cases. In all cases. Yes. Did you want to say? There's some fun, there's a tendency to think outside of the same way Yeah, not 
to not engage your body in devotional service and to hinder somebody else's development or progress in spiritual life is actually violence. And uh, that's something we can share with others because non-violence is a it's topical, it's relevant. I mean, Krishna consciousness is so relevant to the, the, the debate of the day and anything practically that's going down, from veganism to, to global warming, you name it, Krishna consciousness is, is relevant. It's completely relevant. Um, because um, we, it has a capacity to, to address the essence of every situation that's going on in the world, whether it be gender crisis or, or global warming or volcanoes in, in New Zealand or whatever it is. Krishna, Krishna consciousness has, has an interpretation and analysis and a solution for anything that's going on in this world. And then um, you were mentioning how people come to the temple on Sundays, for example, and we can share snippets from the books. So what were some examples? Oh, that's a good one. People really love that definition, a different type of definition of a himself. Um, spiritual identity is a big one. I mean, we avoid speaking about religion because nobody likes religion. Right? 95% of people in this world hate religion. Catholics and they've all left their religion because of so much corruption, so much problems, etc., etc. We know that they're the issues. So we're not saying we've got the best religion, we're better than the Muslim people, <laughs> we're better than the Catholics. We don't say that at all, but we talk about spirituality and automatically, half 90% of the people in the world are interested in spirituality now because there's so, much, so many problems and they realize that materialism is not the solution. That's why I say there's still hippies, plenty of them. Because hippies were people that rejected their parents' culture, their traditions, and everything like that, to seek a higher purpose in life, to seek solutions. And now, these young people in universities, in yoga studios, in, in SWATs, all over the world, wherever they are, these young people are rejecting the, their parents' culture, etc. And they're seeking solutions. Um, and they're open. They might be tinged with myabodism, they might be influenced by impersonalism, they might have so many, so much baggage that they come with that gradually we can deal with, Krishna can deal with that. But as long as they become attracted to coming to, to the temple, we make friends with them, we don't um, you know, Bible bash them out of the temple and we try to make out that we're great and they're useless, um, we'll become our temples will become full with these people that um, are seeking and, and not just full but, but they'll encourage other people like she, one of the girls told us that two weeks ago she came to the temple first time last week she came she said she lives in a house with 35 people last week she came first time she came with three people second time she came with seven people and she said let's see what happens next week how many people she said we'll, we'll try and get more people to come from her house so this Sunday they could have 20 of them you know? You never know. 
and it will keep going that day if they continue to have good experience with devotees that they interact with. I mean, they sat through the class, they did a whole round of japa with this devotee screaming Hare Krishna in the microphone. Hare Krishna, Hare And they, they did the whole japa. I mean, really, they had a good, a good Gita class, and then they had a, you know, they had a lot. And then uh, they survived all that. <laughs> And they had a good experience, and then they had a kirtan, they had a nice feast, they had a lot of the prasad. They ate a lot of prasad. Hey, Rob. Yes, I'm um, sorry. Hello, um, you know, we have, um, what you first seen in Shimabhavan saying, that then to come up, you know, we need to do our simple actions, but in the Gita says, you know, Sarvadana, Prithya, whoever surrenders to me, I protect them from all sins and actions. So, in one way it says we have to do these uh, simple actions, but in this verse it says we, uh, we are protected from simple actions. So, how do we control these frequencies? How to reconcile these two verses? Because there seems like they're. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so the question is in Bhagavatam there's a verse Tatem Kampam verse Susamikshan Rama that says that we should, the devotee should continue to um, offer obeisances and respect to Krishna all the while while suffering reactions of their sinful activities. And in, Bhagavata, in Gita 1866 says that we um, should um, abandon all varieties of religion and just take shelter of Krishna because he will protect us from all sin, sinful activities. So how to... Sinful reactions. So how to reconcile the two statements. The, um, in the top ten compound verse in Bhagavatam, um, which is spoken by Lord Brahmana in the 14th chapter of the Bhagavatam, he, the purpose is that the devotee, and there are many commentaries on this, and the, the purpose is here that the purport is that in the material world, everybody is suffering some form of mature reaction to our karmas, previous karmas. That's why we're here in the material world, and we have to. But the devotee's understanding is that that reaction, when is that the, the reaction for a devotee is different to the reaction for a non-devotee. Reaction for somebody who's engaging in the pure bhakti on devotional service is it's a token reaction. And um, many of the acharyas refer to this, and Bhakti Sarandasasaritapa Shri Prabhupada himself, that um, you know, the Krishna reduces, he reduces the, the suffering of the devotee. It may seem like it's very heavy at the time, but um, conditionally we should have experienced ten times more. And that's how the devotee sees that. It not only sees that uh, as a reduction in karmic reaction, but sees that as mercy, sees that as, as, as a blessing from Krishna that I'm going through this experience, I'm suffering this hardship so that I can become once again 
reinstate it with and, and recognize the eternal, the, the temporary natures which are world. And so the suffering that I'm experiencing is, a, is actually a great blessing because it, it takes me closer to Krishna. And the fact that we, that when we take shelter of Krishna, we, he, remo- he removes our sinful reactions. It means that the sinful reactions that, that would be coming to us, they're not going to continue to impede our bhakti. Those sinful reactions are not going to give more inclination towards sinful activity. That that's destroyed. That's already that's dissolved by surrender to Krishna. That's the Chaitanya Vaidyamashraya. When we take shelter of Krishna, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, then that the propensity to commit further sin, which which continues to um, entangle us in the material world, is dis- destroyed or dissolved. In that, in that process of taking shelter. So um, we still have reaction, but we don't have further reaction, and reactions are, are minimized. So we have something else to say. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy with that. Probably, I mean, what you said is actually maybe not exactly our simple reactions. Maybe that's only what we need to go to straighten our anathas and, and many things we need to clear. So we get a you know, controlled reaction, which is not real, simple reaction. I, that's what I understood from what you were saying. I'm really um, happy with the answer.